And we want to worship you this morning in spirit and truth. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to talk about a vessel of honor, a vessel of honor, a part of our Living Free series. But this week, God changed up my, uh, my sermon and really spoke to me about vessel. And I think that's a word for us for today. Uh, what does it mean to be a vessel of honor? And maybe today, uh, you've, if you're like me in your life, at some point you've ever felt useless or undesirable or maybe empty inside. Uh, maybe you've gone through times in your life where you felt like you were lost or without a purpose. Uh, you felt lonely or isolated. You wondered if God ever loved you. You wondered if you could ever make anything of yourself out of this life. And is this life all there really was? And is this all I'm ever going to accomplish? And this is all I'm ever going to do? And how many people, just be honest, say, I've had those kind of thoughts before? Okay, good. Uh, you know, you and I were not made to worship God apart from God. I'm, what do I mean by that? That you and I alone, by ourselves, were really not made to worship God. While all of creation, uh, the Bible says, does exalt God, you and I were made a little bit different. Our story begins that we go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve the Bible says they were handcrafted by God and they were these clay vessels and God put His Spirit into them and by His Spirit being in them, they had an identity and they had purpose and they had a place to belong and they had this great fellowship and intimacy with God and with one another. But we know the story that the story goes that we fell from grace, that we abandoned our relationship with God for seeking our own identity in ourselves, trying to become something on our own. Eve had looked to uh, that, that fruit, and Adam had looked to Eve, and they'd both looked to trying to become something on their own. God had told them they could be something great in Him. But on their own, they would falter and fall, and we know the story that they did, and they fell from the garden, and God put them out. And from that moment, even though they were spiritual beings, they were empty on the inside. They lacked the presence of God within them. Such a great tragedy, a great, uh, it's a sad story, but we're going to get into the happy ending. But we were empty without God. We were broken from our relationship with Him. From that moment on, we lost our distinct spiritual purpose. From that moment, we lost our distinct spiritual power. We lost our distinct spiritual relationship with God. And we were always forever trying to do things on our own. And that emptiness never left us. And it never leaves anybody yet today that's not filled with Jesus Christ. There's a great emptiness around the world today. People trying to fill themselves with many different things. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a vessel of honor. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. We were powerless to live a life pleasing in worship to God because we lacked His Spirit within us. And from that time on, humanity has been filled with work and longing and loneliness, all in vain attempts to find their place and their purpose again. We were made to be worshipers of God. If you believe that today, somebody say amen. amen. We were made to be filled with God to worship God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul's writing kind of his last dissertation, his last uh, closing statements to Timothy, his son in the faith. And he says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, 
and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor. Turn to your neighbor and say, vessel for honor. You'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Today, whatever fills you, that is what you are worshiping. Whatever fills your heart, whatever fills your soul, that is what you are worshiping, and that is what is defining your purpose in life. Whatever is filling you, that is what you worship, and that is what defines your purpose. And today, unless we are a vessel of the Holy Spirit, we cannot be a true worshiper of God and will forever lack the purpose He's always designed for us. Whatever fills you, that is what you worship, and that is what defines your purpose. Let's talk about what a vessel means. I've got a couple of vessels here on the, on the sanctuary stage. A vessel. Uh, when we say vessel, we mean a, a bowl or a pot or a jar, something that would contain a, a liquid of some sort. We've got our vessel anointing oil over here. and This is a, an ancient uh, pottery vessel for uh, lighting a light. They would put oil in it and have a wick. And this is their uh, ancient candlesticks, ancient... Uh, uh, flashlight, if you will. So we've got all kinds of different vessels and, and different types and all across the ancient world. Some vessels would be made of clay, some made out of wood, some made out of stone, some made out of precious metals like gold and silver and bronze. And even in the temple, you go back to the tabernacle, uh, in the place of God's holiness, there were a variety of different cups and saucers and bowls and vessels, all with a distinct purpose all to be filled with something unique and something that God had ordained them to be filled with. They were all crafted a certain way, made by a certain way, by a certain craftsman, anointed by God, and to be used a certain way and filled a certain way. And even in Scripture, we see vessels throughout the uh, Old Testament, many vessels. Uh, We think about a vessel of wine that was used to dedicate Samuel. There was a vessel of oil used to anoint Saul, Elijah, we think about the, the story with him and the widow in Zarephath. He, uh, uh, through the power of God, multiplied the, the oil that was in the many pots that she brought to him. Uh, we think about God who spoke to Jeremiah uh, about a vessel the local potter was making, and he would tell a story about his people Israel. We think about uh, Jesus at the wedding in Cana. He changed a vessel of water into a vessel of wine and later would tell the story of parable about the ten virgins that would hold a vessel, a lamp, like we just showed you, uh, a vessel of oil, and they would run low, and they had to be refilled. So a lot of little illustrations throughout Scripture about vessels. And uh, Scripture talks specifically about these vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And traditionally, a vessel was of honor would be looked at as a very pretty vessel, uh, gold or bronze or silver. Those were called vessels of honor in a rich house, vessels of honor in the tabernacle, very nice-looking vessels. But let me tell you something. It's more than just what the vessel looks like. It was always about what held the vessel. It wasn't the vessel that anointed Samuel. It was the oil and the, the wine, uh, the, the oil inside of it. It was the, wasn't about the vessel that Jesus uh, prayed over that had water in it. It was about the wine that he made inside of it. Are you with me this morning? All right, so there's vessels of honor and dishonor. And traditionally, they were always about the outside, what they looked like. But it really had nothing to do with their appearance. Even if the vessel was nice, it was more about what was inside of it. Let me give you an example. 
If you were dying of thirst today and I brought you a golden vessel filled with manure, it wouldn't do you much good, would it, even if it was in gold? But if I brought you this ugly little wooden bowl and it had fresh water in it, which would you choose? The vessel of gold with manure in it or the vessel that is wood and ugly with water in it? It's what was inside of it that means value to you, right? I think about the, how many people, have, I don't have to raise your hand, but Indiana Jones in the, uh, the Last Crusade. Indiana Jones is looking for the Holy Grail and he finally gets to this big room and all these vessels are inside of this room and they're looking for the one that Jesus would have drank from on that Last Supper, the Holy Grail. Uh, and which one was it? It was a little simple a potter's looking vessel, a simple uh, a poor man's vessel. It was more about what it was and what was in it and its purpose. In the Old Testament, though, if we were to touch or to put something unclean in a vessel, no matter how beautiful it was, if I would take this beautiful pot of my wife's and hopefully not break it, but if I was to put something unclean inside of it, the Old Testament would tell us that we would have to break it and destroy it because it could not be cleansed again. It was what was in it defiled it. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to us today, and he goes and says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that you and I are these earthen clay vessels. We have been made of the clay of the dirt. You and I are clay vessels. Uh, and it's not about you and what you look like, but it's really and ultimately about what's inside of you. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. What is he saying? You and I are a vessel, and you can either be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. And while the world and the people uh, back in time would look at the outside and determine if that was a vessel of honor or dishonor, it is more about what's on the inside of you that really matters. It's more about what you're filled with that matters today between you and God. Are you a vessel of honor to the Lord or a vessel of dishonor? And he says that believers, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, believers have this treasure. We have a treasure inside of us. What is he talking about? What treasure do believers have that makes us a vessel of honor to the Lord? There is something, he says, inside of believers that they are filled with something that not only makes them a treasure, but gives them a godly purpose. A vessel does no good for me if I cannot use it. It is something that has a purpose. But whatever today is filling you, whatever today is on the inside of you, that is what you are worshiping, and that is what is defining your purpose in life. Let's talk about a vessel of dishonor today. There's a vessel of honor and a vessel of dishonor. A vessel of dishonor. From the, apart from the breath of God, Adam and Eve, we've determined they're empty vessels. They had no power, no purpose, no pleasure in the presence of God. And Israel, too, God had told them that they would be like this vessel. We go back and then we go follow along the timeline, and Israel has come, and they are to be a vessel of honor for God. But Israel, too, the Bible says their, their sad story that even though they had the religious law, God had told them what vessels to make and what it was supposed to look like. Here's all the do's and the don'ts. Here's all the rules in your life, all the things that would help you please God. Here's all the things that would make you holy and cleansed and a a royal priesthood. Here's all the things you could do. Even having all the rules, Israel still found themselves empty. 
You know, today you can go to church all you want. You can know all the rights and all the don'ts and all the do's and still feel empty inside. You can come to church and learn from a pastor and you can come to church and learn from a program and learn from uh, the do's and the don'ts and you can read all the memory verses and you can try all the right things and put away all the wrong things and still feel empty on the inside. I believe many Christians in the uh, nation today are still empty on the inside because they don't understand the treasure that God has for them. So with all these instructions, with all the uh, belief on living a fulfilling life and pleasing God, Israel's still empty. Why? Because Scripture said they had, this un, they had become an undesirable vessel to God. Hosea chapter 8, verse 8. God found that Israel was undesirable as a vessel. Uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah both say that they became as a vessel that would try to instruct the very potter on how to make them. Jeremiah goes on and says that they, they became as a vessel that had rejected the fountain of living waters and were trying to dig up their own wells and fill their own selves to try to find the emptiness, fill that emptiness on the inside. I hear stories and stories all the time of people who have looked for things, and we can go throughout all the, the, we can try to fill our lives with all kinds of things. Maybe it's been relationships in your life. You've gone from man or woman uh, to relationship to relationship to relationship. Maybe it's been drugs and alcohol and sex and adultery or pornography. We can go from filling our, trying to fill our lives with all these things. We can try to fill our lives with food, or without food. We can be bulimic. We can be anorexic. We can even, some people today are filling their lives with uh, an abundance of exercise, trying to look good, trying to stay fit, trying to work on my self-image, trying to please other people with my social media and putting out that perfect life that everybody thinks is good and that I'm full. But on the inside, we can still be as empty and broken as the rest of the world. Because there's only one treasure you were designed to be filled with. There's only one thing in your life that is going to give you ultimate pleasure and and power and purpose. And so Israel finds themselves rejecting the fountain of living water. And Romans 9.22 says, Man in his own search for fulfillment actually became vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, as if those vessels that we talked about in the Old Testament, that when you put something unholy inside of it, they must be destroyed because they're unclean. They have no purpose. They have no relationship in the place of God. And Jesus even chastised the religious elite. He says they're always focused on the outside. They're always washing the cups. They're always washing the dishes. They're always focused on the external things. But on the inside, man, they're just as messed up as anybody else. They're like a ravenous wolf. There is a dead man uh, with whitewashed tombs. That There's nothing living. There's nothing filling them that is satisfying. And their hearts are far away from God. You know, despite how you look on the outside, when we're empty, when you're empty, you're always going to be looking for the next thing. When you're empty, you're always going to be looking for something to fill you. And whatever you use to try to fill yourself, just like Adam and Eve were filled by God, created to be worshipers of God, whatever you are filling yourself with today, that is the thing you're worshiping. Let me give you an example. If I am filled with anger and hate, it is anger and hate that I'm worshiping. If there's a person in my life that I cannot forgive, and unforgiveness is coming out of me every time I see that person, every time I'm in that situation, every time I remember those thoughts, some unforgiveness bubbles out of me. What I've done is I've put the hatred of that person bigger than God. And by putting the hatred of that person bigger than God, I've made that person an idol to God. And therefore, instead of God and His power and His forgiveness and His glory, I'm not worshiping that anymore. I'm worshiping the hate of that person. 
In fact, I've made that unforgiveness an idol in my life, and therefore my life has been filled with unforgiveness, and therefore unforgiveness is what I'm worshiping. It, if you think about it for a long time and you, you get to that moment, sometimes you enjoy thinking about hating that person. You've ever gotten to that place? Or maybe it's lust or, or desire or things. I enjoy thinking about that next boat. I enjoy thinking about that next person. Or that I enjoy thinking about the images I could look at or the relationships I've had way back when that I, I miss those fun times. I, I begin to fill my life and thoughts and all those things. And I, what I'm doing is I'm beginning to fill my life to try to find some satisfaction in this moment. Maybe I'm lonely, maybe I'm hurt, maybe I'm broken. And in those moments, I go back to those thoughts. I go back to those things. And those are the things I begin to worship instead of getting on my knees and crying out to God and begin thinking about the glory of God and the wonder of God and the amazement of God and the joy of God. You know, are you with me this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is truth, is it not? Because what we do is in those moments of emptiness, we find something to worship. And we try to worship something that doesn't satisfy, it doesn't last. That anger makes you feel more empty after all. That lust and that desire, you feel worse off after that moment. Young ladies, going after those guys and trying to fill your life with those things, you're going to feel more and more empty after it's over. Relationship to relationship to relationship only makes you more and more empty. Whether it be... Drugs, alcohol, TV, social media, the constant fixation with our self-image. When we try to fill ourselves, we worship something else. And whatever we fill ourselves with, in fact, we actually become a slave to it. Whatever is filling my life, that's what begins to own me. And Jesus says, from the abundance of man's heart comes evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and slanders. All of this stuff begins to come out of us and it actually leads us to a more empty place. It leads us to a life that doesn't fulfill or doesn't satisfy a pleasure that never lasts. And ultimately, it leads to spiritual death, where we become a vessel of wrath prepared for destruction. There's a song I listen to every now and then um, by an artist named Dustin Kinsrew, and it's called It's Not Enough. And I want to read you the lyrics because it reminds me every now and then. I purposely listen to this song to remind myself why the world doesn't last. And it says this, Though all the wealth of men was mine to squander, and towers of ivory would rose beneath my feet, were palaces of pleasure mine to wander, the sum of it all would leave me incomplete. Though every soul would hold my name and honor, and truest love was always by my side, if my praises sung, by grateful sons and daughters, my soul would never still be satisfied. It's not enough. In the second verse, he goes on to say, Though I could live for all to lift them higher, or even spend the centuries seeking light within, though even if I indulge my every dark desire, exhausting every avenue of sin, it's not enough, it's not enough to make me whole. It's kind of a depressing song, but I purposely listen to it every month or so just to remind myself there is nothing in this world that satisfies. Whether you're trying to please everybody, whether you're trying to live for yourself, whether you went out to the streets and the slums and the bars trying to find all the things. Even the, uh, the great Solomon said that I tried everything. I built great houses. I tried on women. I tried on all these things. But yet at the end of it all, it was all meaningless without God. There is nothing in this world that can fill you like Jesus Christ. 
There's nothing that satisfies like Him. And how you look on the outside is of no effect that if you are separated from God without the filling of the Holy Spirit, nothing will satisfy you. That husband or that wife will not please you. Your kids won't be enough. Your spouse won't be enough. Your job won't be enough. There's no amount of drugs or sex or alcohol that will ever be enough in your life. And unless we lean on Jesus... God has chosen to show us His glory. Romans 9.23 says that God has predestined that you would be a vessel of mercy. Jesus Christ came that you could have life and life abundantly, that He would satisfy your years and fill you with good things. Is that not the good news? Because I was destitute, I was empty, I was broken, I was lost, I was abandoned. There's nothing that can fill you like Jesus. That's a vessel of dishonor. We are a vessel who tries to fill ourselves, tell God we know what's best for our life, we know what we like, we know what we need, we know what's best for us. And he says, well, that case, you're a vessel of dishonor, a vessel prepared for destruction. Unworthy, no use, no purpose, unclean. Let's talk about a vessel of dishonor, though. Numbers chapter 19, I'm going to go old school with you, come out to the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 19, there's this uh, ritual, and it was the ritual of purification for uh, getting closer to God. It was a ceremonial purification rite. In Numbers chapter 19, it tells us that if a person died in their home and a vessel did not have a lid on it, that vessel would ultimately become unclean because the Bible says the wages of sin is death and death is an evidence of sin and therefore it's been around sin uh, and it shows that that vessel has become unclean because that vessel on the inside could have got contaminated. So if I'm a person and I go into my, let's say my aunt or my uncle or my cousin, whoever died, and I would go into that house to remove that body and do the great honorable thing as a good family member would to prepare their body for burial and anoint them with oil and, and do the burial rites and get them to the grave. The Bible says, too, that you and I also, by doing this great deed, even if it's a good work, a holy work out of love would make us unclean because we touched death. And therefore, every person in Israel was unescapable of being touched by something unclean. So they had a way that Jesus, our God, prescribed to get you where you could worship God again. And Numbers chapter 19 says it this way. I'm just going to paraphrase. It says that if you had come in contact with something of death, been near a dead body, a grave, or a dead animal, or a person, you had to do a few things. The first thing you had to do is, one, there had to be a perfect sacrifice of a red heifer. Uh, if it, it had even one black hair or one white hair on it, it would be unworthy. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. And the priest alone would take that red heifer, he would burn it, and the ashes of that, that animal would be holy unto the Lord. And they would take the ashes of that animal, and they would take a priest, a clean person, and they would take a vessel. I'm just going to pick one. They would take a vessel... And it had to be filled with living water. Do you know what living water is? It's fresh spring water. Not like the ones you see at Walmart that's false advertising. Real, fresh spring water had to be filled with that vessel. And they would take some of the ash from the perfect sacrifice. And a clean person with a clean vessel would put the ash into that vessel. And they would take some of the living spring water, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, pour that in there. And on the third day, you would have come to this clean priest, this priest, and he would sprinkle upon you, he would sprinkle on you this mixture, mixture from the blood sacrifice and mixture from the clean water. And 
Then you would begin the cleansing process. And then on the seventh day, you would take your life and you would go bathe it, completely submerge it into clean water again. And on the seventh day, you would be completely clean. Why is that important for you and, us, you and I today? Because the Bible says that you and, all, and I, you and I have all been touched by death. There is no escape, even in my best attempts, even like that person who tried to bury their family member. I cannot escape that death has touched my life. The wages of sin is death. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all prepared for destruction. None of us, even in our good efforts, could escape that. We're all tainted by death and by sin. But there is a guy who is a clean priest, a perfect priest, a perfect high priest, who also became a perfect sacrifice for you and for I. And he was laid down on that altar and he died, a perfect death. And then he got up on that third day. On that third day, he took his spirit that he had and he put it and sprinkled it on his church. And then on that seventh day, which we call a day of Sabbath, a day of rest, the day when we could rest from our labors and our works and all of our weariness and enter into the place of eternity with God, that Jesus Christ became that perfect priest, that perfect sacrifice, and perfectly poured out His Holy Spirit to be sprinkled on you, wash you clean as white as snow, that you could enter into the presence of God day after day after day. That's the vessels we had to be. Jesus Christ became the priest we needed, the sacrifice we needed. He even became the vessel of the Holy Spirit we needed that was poured out over us. Because I was unclean and unable to cleanse myself. I needed a perfect sacrifice. I needed a perfect priest. I needed a perfect vessel. I needed that living water to be poured out on me to make me clean again. That's the way you have to be a vessel of honor. There's no escaping it today. No matter how many good efforts you have, no matter how many good intentions you have, no matter how much love you have to do good things, unless you receive the sprinkling, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit poured out because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we will never be clean. And so we learn this in John chapter 4. Jesus comes to this woman, a Samaritan woman, who is told that she's unclean. This lady's got five divorces, which is unheard of in that time. She's a Samaritan, so she's already got that against her. She's not a Jew. She's already worshiping in a false religion. It's a mixture of Judaism and and paganism. And so she comes, and she's at this well, and Jesus comes up with his disciples, and they've gone into town to get some food for him. And he's there, and he tells her that she's getting this water, trying to keep her life going. No doubt she's been thinking about her life, her situation, her circumstances, where she's been, what she's doing. She's alone. Probably none of the other ladies at the well are talking to her. She's that woman. She's that lady. She's got that reputation. Jesus comes up, he talks to her, and he says to her, what? If you only knew to ask me, I would give you a well that never runs dry. It would spring up from within. You'd be living water. And she's like, where can I get this water from? And she began to talk, and she begins uh, to listen, and he's revealing to her her life, and he tells her her story and how she's living with a man that's not even her husband now. And she begins to believe him, and he says, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And despite her no reputation... Despite looking on the outside like a vessel of dishonor, she believed he's the Messiah. And verse 28 in John chapter 4 says something very, very powerful. It says that she left her water pot and she went to tell people about Jesus. You know what that means to me? 
She left the method of filling her own life to go tell somebody that Jesus Christ has just filled hers. It's not about what we can do. You can try to go from relationship to relationship just like this woman. Have no reputation, but Jesus Christ says, I'm willing to cleanse you. I'm willing to fill you. I'm willing to give you a purpose and identity. If you'll just leave your water pot and go be filled with my spirit. You have to leave your vessel. You've got to leave your method for finding satisfaction in life. You've got to leave your vessel for trying to fill yourself with all these things. And she left it all. Left her means for filling her life naturally. To be filled with Jesus Christ. Her life was repurposed to be a vessel of honor. That's a cool story, isn't it? What are you willing to be repurposed for in Jesus? That moment in her life as the Holy Spirit began to fill her with her confession of faith. The Holy Spirit was poured out into her heart. And just like Adam and Eve from the very beginning, she became a worshiper of God again. She was truly able to worship Him in spirit and in truth like He told her that true worshipers worship Him. And she, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, became a servant of God, a worshiper of God, and her life now had identity and purpose. It's for you and I today, we're called to be worshipers of God. Your life is purposed to be a worshiper of God. And... In a nice house, we go back to our text for today in 2 Timothy. Paul says, in a nice house, a rich house, vessels of honor honored the guests, honored the, the master. If you come to my house and I put out a nice spread for you, and I put out the nice china, which I don't have, and the nice silver utensils, which I don't have, but if I did, let's pretend, and if I put that out in a nice spread and it was all, you know, napkins out there, nice, and you came over and I just laid that napkin in, in your lap and, you know, just filled the cup and, you know, it's like at those nice restaurants where you just drink a sip, they're right over there and they pour it back again. You know, what does that do? That begins to honor the person who's hosting the meal, right? It begins to honor. And God says, I'm trying to create a people who when the world sees you, it honors me. Because when you're a vessel of honor, it doesn't honor the vessel, it honors the host of the meal. The Bible says we have a great wedding feast prepared in advance for you and I who believe by faith and that you and I are to be vessels of honor for the master. That means that you have a purpose to tell the world that our God is pretty cool dude. He's awesome. He's got a table prepared for you. And when you're honoring God, you become a worship vessel to him. Your life begins to worship him. And he's saying these vessels, these utensils, they all may have various purposes But if they're made right, if they're filled right, if they're used right, they honor the master. And Paul says to Timothy, he says, I want you to be diligent to present yourself approved to God. And he told him, be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean we have to look like a piece of gold vessel on the outside, but it's not. We want to be cleansed, but it's more about what's inside of you and what your purpose is for God. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, or white or black. Doesn't matter if you have a bad reputation or a good. If you know all the verses of the Bible or you only know two, the Bible says you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and do great things for Jesus Christ. Our God, for you to be used by God. It requires our hearts and minds to be separated from this world. It means we must be empty of the world's idolatry. 
We're emptied of worshiping sex. We're empty of worshiping anger. We're emptied of worshiping unforgiveness. We're emptied of worshiping materialism. And we say, God, let me be cleansed by Jesus Christ, who's the only one who can cleanse me because of that third day. And I'm living in the seventh day of salvation. I'm living in the day of resting in Jesus. And I'm sanctified by the cleansing, the washing from the blood of the Lamb and and the water of the Holy Spirit. And we're cleansed of ourselves, repurposed for Him as a worshiper. Let me tell you one more story. In the Bible, we have two accounts of this alabaster box. It's a very popular story, some songs about it. In the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, it happens with a woman who brings, uh, anoints Jesus with this alabaster perfume. But at the end of His life, in the town of Bethany, the, the gospel writers, uh, John and, and the others, uh, Matthew and Mark, tell of the story that Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus, who's just been raised from the dead, she, in preparation and a heartbeat for God, now this is Mary who's, who loves to sit at Jesus' feet and wait on Him. This is Mary who believed in the resurrection of her brother, and, and God revealed to her that she's there at this last meal, in the, right before, just a few days before He's about to die. And Mary comes. And we know that Mary's from a little bit of a wealthy family and her, her background. And uh, she takes this alabaster vial. It actually was a flask, uh, similar to like our anointing oil uh, vessel over here. And it was sealed. And this was a, a vial of costly uh, imported perfume. The Bible says it was worth a year's labor's wages. So a normal construction worker's wages for the whole year. That's how much this vial was worth today. It was sealed, it was shut off, and it was only to be used for a special occasion. Probably it had been passed down through generations, maybe to be given to Mary in the event that she was married off. That would be her dowry to her husband. Something very valuable to her. Uh, some think perhaps it was, uh, if, it was, if that's the case, it would be given for her for her own burial or for her husband's burial. That husband would receive that dowry for taking Mary as his wife. And Mary comes into that room... And Jesus is sitting, laying, reclining at a table, and she, the Bible says that she breaks that vial. Now, this vial was a one-time-use vial. When you broke it, uh, it was opened. It was always opened. And therefore, the purpose of it had been gone. You're determining what purpose it would be for. And the Bible says she poured it all out on his head and on his feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. In that moment, Mary made a powerful proclamation that what was valuable to her and what had been purposed for her and what she could have used to further her own life, this would have been definitive of her whole wealth, of all that she owned. She poured out at the feet of Jesus Christ and she broke her vessel and it was poured out for Him. Today... The Bible says that we've got to take up our cross, follow Him, that if we, unless we deny ourselves and, and believe in Him and follow Him, that we're not worthy of Him. Your life has to be poured out for Jesus Christ as an offering of worship to be one who could be remade and refilled with Him. Mary determined in that moment, doesn't matter about my future husband, doesn't matter about the wealth of this world or wealth of this life, this is the King of kings, this is the Lord of lords. He's dying for me in a few days. And I'm pouring out my life as a fragrant offering, an aroma before Him. You know what? And it really wasn't about the price we could get off on. Maybe she gave $35,000, $40,000, $50,000 in one moment. You can understand why the disciples were a little upset. 
She just poured it out on the ground and poured it over him. What could you have done without $50,000, $30,000? The king of kings and the lord of lords, $30,000 is nothing. $40,000 is nothing. A million dollars is nothing to the ones whose streets are paved with gold, whose angels sing his glory day and night. It wasn't about the value. It was about Mary's heart being poured out before the king. It was about her saying, my life is not my own. I live to worship you, O Lord. It doesn't matter about my future. It doesn't matter about my prosperity. It doesn't matter about what my relationships are, what I could do with this. The vessel is that my vessel has been given over to you. And the value of her heart was worth more than all the riches of the world to Jesus Christ. Is your life a vessel of holiness, a vessel of honor? To the King of Kings. Are we broken of our self sufficiency? Do we pour out what is costly to us at the feet of Jesus? And do we allow Him to remake us as that potter and fill us with the Holy Spirit, fill us with the living water, the good things that we need? Or are we destined as a vessel for destruction? Those who refuse to be cleansed, those who refuse to be full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible say will be forever cut off from the people of God. Scripture repeatedly declares unholy vessels will be smashed, broken, unable to be remade. And those who reject the power and the mercy of Jesus Christ will be destroyed by their own decision not to be satisfied with good things. And you wonder, it doesn't even make any sense. You wonder, how can we do that? But it's in the depravity of our own minds trying to fill our lives with all these things of this world. We in turn miss out the very one thing we were designed to be filled with. You were designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were made to worship God and you were made to have a purpose in Him. And until you recognize that in your life, until you make sure there's nothing else inside of you trying to fill you, if there's unforgiveness, if there's anger, if there's lust, if there's things inside of our hearts that we begin to worship God, we say, God, cleanse us of these things. Refill us over and over again with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, don't be filled with drunkenness and the things of this world. Those are, that's debauchery. But instead, continually be filled, continually, over and over again. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit and keep pouring your life out at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed.